Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and prefer not to disclose, back to the Undressing Underground Podcast. Today on the show is David Pemberton. Pemberton. I just have his, oh, okay, his name is written in real text underneath the title on his Tumblr. Dave Pemberton, he's a uh, comic book artist and evil marketer person that tries to sell you things you don't need. But we all have to make a living doing something evil, I guess, in a capitalist society. I don't know if you've ever stopped taking an SSRI, but I can't explain what's going on in my head right now. It's like just waves of, I don't know, wait, I, don't, I can't explain it. Just the inside of my brain is not, does not feel the way I mean, you shouldn't feel your brain anyway, right? I guess that's probably enough. So, yeah, whatever. Let's just get through this. Um, Dave Pemberton. I hope that was his name. He uh, does a comic called Punch Drunk, which he will explain. He also did another one that you can't see because apparently he lost it. (laughs) All, like, two years of work that he did on the internet. This will be the first of two, hopefully, comic book artists. Next week on the show will be Kayla Miller, assuming we get that recorded because we talked for about three hours the other day and recorded two of it and then decided mutually, mutually decided that it was all garbage. So we have to do that again, hopefully. But yeah, at least I pulled off this week. We'll see if I can do it again next week. I have like three or four people I'm supposed to interview over the next few days. And uh, we'll see if any of those happen. But in the meantime, here is Dave Pemberton. David Pemberton, sorry. Yeah, David Pemberton. Hey, what's up, man? Hey. I'm I hope we didn't talk about everything interesting in text before this. <laughs> oh no, no, no. There's plenty more. Okay. <laughs> plenty more. How you doing, dude? All right, you? Yeah, good to uh meet you over the internet. Yeah, you too. Yeah. How, how do we know each other? Do we know each other through um Jennifer C. Martin? Yeah, yeah, Jennifer Martin. Yeah, yeah. She and I, um, we went to college together. Oh, okay. Um, and I was a, a writing major, and I took a journalism course and met her in that course. And she actually was my editor at the school paper because I was <laughs> uh, I was uh, reviewing movies. Oh, cool. Yeah, so she was my editor. Well, why were you re- reviewing movies? Just for the school paper. But it's been uh, like, why movies? Like, what drew you to oh. that? Um. 
Well, kind of at the time I wanted to go into film. I um, It was my senior year and I had just uh, been offered a seat in an MFA program at SCAD for uh, dramatic writing, mm-hmm. which was like script and stage writing. Um, I ended up not taking it, but like that's what I had spent most of my writing practicum working on was making short films. Oh, huh. Yeah. yeah. Like about what? Like what kind of short films? Oh, man, they were all so stupid. Um, <laughs> Like, they have uh, to be. I mean, it's school. Yeah. Short films. Well, they were all they were all like I, I wanted to write comedies, so they were all funny. Um, but <laughs> there was a short there's a series of short films I did with this uh, other guy named Matt Fisher, who's a professor at that college now at Lee University. Um, that's actually like he's a really good actor, very good comedic timing. It's a tragedy. He didn't go into acting, but um, mm. Uh, it was a zombie parody where <laughs> it was he and I had been turned into zombies, but we didn't know we were zombies. And the way that we interacted with each other was completely normal, but the way we interacted with other people was as if though you know we were traditional zombies. And it really confused us. And so it was just like uh, like four films of us trying to figure out that we're zombies. Oh, this was a series of films. Yeah, yeah. And so they, all together, they're like 35 minutes. And... Um, uh, the 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 we we made four. We had plans to make a fifth one that, like, started the zombie outbreak. <laughs> when we finally realized we were zombies and like out of spite, we're turning everyone we didn't like into zombies. So you just um, finished like the first act then? Yeah, yeah. We never. I mean, you know, we all got busy and graduated, and but we did that. We did a couple other short films. We did a lot of short film competitions, like forty eight hour film festivals and seventy two hour film festivals together. Hmm. Um, and actually. The guy who directed those and my friend Matt, they both went on to SCAD and got degrees in film. Matt now teaches film at Lee University, and the other guy, Kevin, is a film editor in Austin, Texas. Oh, cool. So, yeah, he's actually found a little bit of success there. Is he working with, like, Robert Rodriguez? And oh, no. <laughs> no? Yeah. No, no, he, yeah, he's, uh, um, he's working uh, on a lot of, like, ad stuff. Um, okay. but also shorter films. He did a film with, uh, Danny Glover. Oh, cool. Yeah. That was neat. Yeah. Um, so he's done a lot of cool stuff, a lot of cool trailers, a couple documentaries. Uh, yeah, it's only a matter of time before he gets onto some bigger stuff, I think. Yeah. yeah. And so how, then you made the move to comics, it sounds like. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I guess I've always been a huge fan of comics, like even growing up and I've, I've always been an illustrator. Um, and even when I was in college, originally this, so this idea for these zombie stories was originally going to be a comic book hmm. that Matt and I were going to make together. We were going to write it and I was going to illustrate it. Um, but we decided to do film instead. But at that time, I also started doing a webcomic. Um, and I did that webcomic for about two years. Uh, and it was called Joey Cheat's Death. And that was like my first published comic effort. Uh, Wait, it was published by somebody besides you? No, no, no. Like I published it myself. But oh, like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it got you know, it, it I it got to a point where like I started working like an adult job and didn't have time to do it anymore. But right, uh, I was getting probably like a hundred to two hundred unique views a day. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. So I mean, it got it got there, but like I had, I couldn't monetize it. I was young and I couldn't <laughs> figure out like I just I couldn't put time in it anymore. You know, I was. It takes forever, man. Yeah. Um, so did you ever go back and make those short films into comics, like the ones you didn't make to finish the, uh, the storyline? No, no. Um, that would be fun to do, but I, I don't really see a 
point in it. <laughs> like I want to, I want to make things that people are going to want to read and interact with. And I don't want to make anyone go back and watch those terrible short <laughs> films. Like they're really, they're really, really, they're really bad. It's an interesting concept though. Yeah. I mean, I really dug it, but then like, you know, zombies became such a big thing. Right. At, you know, really soon. Like this was uh, probably back in like 2000 and, six right so like maybe is that like the same year that Shaun of the dead came out or like yeah a year it was after? like Shaun of the dead had just come out okay. and so we had already started like thinking up these ideas but we went ahead with it um yeah no we had a lot of like uh situations like that where we would make something or start making something and then another film or movie would come out that was like close <laughs> enough to that idea that we just felt like we couldn't do it we we wrote an entire uh, like noir murder mystery as a musical, <laughs> and like then Sweeney Todd came out. Oh, I never even put that. I guess it's kind of like that. I mean, it's not totally noir though. I mean, it's, yeah, dark, it's not. But no, yeah, it's but uh, the fact that it's like a grim murder musical. Yeah. So, but whatever. We 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 were never gonna make that musical anyways. Probably. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, musicals take a lot of fucking work. Yeah, and none of us can, like, sing or dance or do anything impressive. Like, it just would have been a shit show. Uh, so. Well, you could have dubbed it. Yeah, we could have dubbed it. There's a lot of things I guess we could have done uh, moving forward, but I don't know. Uh, it was fun, though. It was, it, was, it was fun to, like, like even though none of that stuff really took off, it was really fun in, in like, my formative years to dick around with some creative people and work on producing uh just fun stories you know there's a lot there's a lot to be learned from that in that process so oh yeah yeah i mean oh yeah at least you got you're doing something like it depresses me when people talk about doing things and never actually do it like always have that that short film like even just a short film they're gonna make and they just never do it (laughs) everybody's writing a novel yeah exactly (laughs) i hate it it, like when people ask me like and i have to say like well yeah i'm I'm working on a novel because every dickhead's working on a novel right so you know uh, yeah, hate it. So, where were you going to college at? Like, what state was that at? Oh man, this was in beautiful Tennessee. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where Jennifer and I went to college, and uh, just this—I don't know if she, how much she's talked to you about it, um, but it's, it was a small uh, private Christian school. Oh wow! Um, that had a lot going for it. Um, it was definitely uh, not as conservative as you would think of a. <laughs> private Christian school in Tennessee would be. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the president of it actually was a pretty liberal guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, we both went there. Um, they had a really great travel abroad program, which is what drew me to it. Hmm. Um, but also, uh, my dad was kind of the Dean (laughs) of it in the eighties. So like, yeah, it was kind of like that. Well, that's the school I have to go to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I went to Ball State for my master's just because my dad was teaching there, and he told me he kept telling me to apply, and I was finally like, "Oh, fine, I'll fucking apply," because I won't get accepted. And then I got accepted, and I was like, "Well, I can't find a job anyway." So. <laughs> what do you, what do you, what are you getting your master's in? Uh, it's called digital storytelling. Oh, that yeah. sounds really. Cool. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I work as a my last job. I worked at this production company that did a lot of like weird digital experiments and like interactive virtual reality stunt advertising. Oh, huh. And I got hired as a, my, my job title was digital storyteller. 
<laughs> I was like, no joke, my job. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause like yeah. usually it's just a buzzword. Like, I mean, cause the program encompasses, uh, like people doing theory too. Like a lot of people going on PhD tracks, not just people doing production. It's it's a really vague and pointless sort of program. But I mean, you know, that's that's what the internet's done to language. It's made everything vague and pointless. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, I've I've had jobs before where the word ninja was in my title. Oh my god! And I know this is an audio <laughs> podcast, but I am in horrible physical shape. There's no way anyone <laughs> would confuse me for a ninja. But what was that other job at? The digital storytelling. What? Where was that? Was that after yeah. you moved to San Francisco? Man, I've moved around so much. Really? Um, yeah, it's it's. I'm very tired. Uh, <laughs> but I, uh, so I was living in uh, Nashville. Okay. Uh, a couple years ago, and I was a couple um, years ago. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, well, yeah, yeah. This is this when the story starts. I just moved to San Francisco a few months ago. Oh my god. I was in okay. See, so, yeah, I was in Nashville, and. Um, I was running the social media department for this marketing firm that uh, only serviced salons, right? So, yeah. like, I was, like, setting up social media campaigns about shampoo. Uh, and uh, I got approached. Um, this company found my portfolio online, and uh, they asked me if I was interested in applying to this job, and I did, and I didn't think I was going to get it. And they hired me. Um, as a, I started out as a storyteller, digital storyteller, uh, at this company called Unit Nine, okay. which um, is actually based in London. Hmm. So, uh, I flew out to London and worked from there for about a month. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I worked from London. It was super cool. Yeah, uh, worked on a lot of really, really cool projects, and they did like really high end production. So, like, um, the very first project I did was I wrote, I put together. Uh, a pitch. I wrote the pitch. I came up with the idea for the pitch, and then I presented that pitch to the client. Yeah, and it was horrifying <laughs> because it was for an iOS game for the last Hobbit movie. Oh my god! So I pitched it to the producers of that movie. Holy shit! Wait, was Peter and Jackson there? He was not there. Okay. He was. He listened to a recording of it, <laughs> Just... so I knew he was going to hear it. Holy shit! Yeah, that was like the very first thing. That was like day one. They're like, oh, do you, can you come up with a iOS game for the new Hobbit movie? I was like, shit. So, Wait, so how, just, how did you end up going from journalism to marketing then? Man, I mean, marketing and journalism are just two sides of the same coin. Okay. Like uh, right now I'm a, a communications manager, and a lot of that has to do with PR. PR and journalism writing are the same style, uh, really. Like, um, how do you mean? Like writing press releases and stuff? Yeah, yeah, it's all clean cut, very newsworthy. Like, it's all um, uh, like trying to write like Ernest Hemingway. You know, it's just read The Old Man in the Sea, and then you can write for journalism and you can write for PR. Like, that's the best master's course you need in it. Huh. So, yeah, but yeah. So, um, yeah, I uh, like when I got out of college, I guess, I started working for Habitat for Humanity uh, and n had nothing to do with writing and very quickly got sick of it okay. and uh, ended up going to uh, work in advertising, um, which I didn't really had, I hadn't really thought of that as an option. But as a writer and as a creative person, advertising is a really good avenue to make really good money using the things you're innately good at. What, you know? what made you think of it then? I just found a job opening that said social media, and I was like, it's 2012, social media is cool. <laughs> I want to be cool. 
So I just jumped into it. And I mean, what, you know, what, what was like the job description? Like, how did you know you could do it? I mean, the job description was like, uh, are you a writer? Are you witty? Are you able to make funny jokes? Are you good with puns? So oh, it was, man, it was literally good. just like, can you tweet basically? Just yeah, no, yeah, seriously. It's social media. Can you tweet? When you tweet, do people retweet it? You know, like huh. it's, yeah, it's. Wait, were you on Twitter? Were people retweeting you already? I mean, I was on Twitter, but like I wasn't Twitter famous. I just knew how to use it. <laughs> you know? Like I had maybe 200 followers at the time. Okay. You know? So, uh, and I don't even use that account anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they just, you know, it, if you're a writer and you are in your 20s, mm -hmm. uh, advertising is a really great career option. Marketing is a really great career option because more than likely you're going to be dealing with uh, internet-based stuff, but you've grown up with the internet. So you're what we would call a digital native, right? Yeah. So like, you know how to access this thing that the old people who have money don't know how to access and you're good with words. So like, what you do is something that they can't even conceive of doing. Huh. So they're going to pay you a lot of money to do it. And it's great because, like, you know, in my experience, um, all these jobs have been, like, really, really easy for me. But in the places I'm working, like, I'm working with engineers and designers who, like, can't construct a sentence or a paragraph. So they think I'm, like, some sort of magician. Like, it's a really <laughs> great setup. That's, so. I mean, I've asked so many questions now because I'm, next is, I think it's interesting to listen to, which <laughs> it might be. But next I'm curious. I'm like, I wonder if I should just do this now. <laughs> Well, I mean, if, no, seriously, if you have a master's in digital storytelling, just putting that on your resume and sitting it out to some ad houses, yeah, like they will be so like, they'll have such a hard on for that. Huh. I got to finish it still, but. I mean, yeah, get there, dude. But yeah. like, yeah, I mean, being a copywriter, being a social media editor. Social um, media editor? Yeah, that's, that's, that's what a lot of my job titles have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's just like tweeting and writing posts on Facebook? Seriously, yeah, it's just writing stuff for social media, blogs. How Stuff like that. Like, how much do you write in a day then? It depends. It depends on where I'm working. Like, so uh, the very first marketing job I had was for this marketing house uh, out in Denver. And the way that it worked was they did um, kind of boilerplate content for about 600 different companies. So I wrote a lot of content that was repurposed all over the place. Mm -hmm. But I would write about um, 1,500 words a day, all things considered in blogs and then I would write about 300 tweets 300 um, holy shit yeah I mean but you get to the place where you just turn your brain off and it's mechanical right you just like I, I became it got to the point where it was hard for me to speak in more than 140 characters you know like <laughs> muscle memory at that point um so that was a marking house uh I would definitely stay away from those but it's a good place to get a start mm -hmm. um then I went to an ad agency which usually works with less um, in, uh, brands or businesses or whatever you want to call it, but also, uh, gives them more custom content. So at an ad agency, I'd have like three or four brands that I ran their social media accounts. And that would be like five Facebook updates a week, up to nine tweets a day, uh, three blogs a week. And I would just write all that content. I would strategize all that content. I would decide like what needs to be made how to best engage with their audience. And sometimes like the thing that sucks is like it's it can be really fun if you have the right brand. Mm -hmm. But like I was running a Facebook page for an IT company and nobody's going <laughs> to like a fucking IT company on Facebook. Right. You know. So Unless it's you just have, like a really heady sort of like 
video or something like you have something to draw them in somehow but no, yeah there, you need there's like a not, budget <laughs> yeah you need you need you need and it, it's really a frustrating thing is it's really hard to like get your superiors in that field to think outside the box a little bit and let you try something that's unconventional to maybe get a, you know more traction right um and then from the ad agency world i went to the production side which is way more fun which is just basically all creative stuff um and that was when i was at unit nine um and so when i was with them i worked in nashville for my apartment but i spent half the day working with the london team and then the last half of my day working with the san francisco team and like i got to work on a lot of really really cool projects um i worked on a uh, music video for Arcade Fire that is a digital experiment. Like you have to be on the computer to like interact with it. Hmm. Uh, I worked with a lot of immersive technologies. I got to do a lot of cool stuff with the Oculus Rift. Um, I helped design a uh, uh, 3D haptic feedback experience for Five Gum in Germany. Um, so like that was all the cool stuff that I've gotten to do. Really came <laughs> from the production side of it. Yeah. But what what are you doing in those? You say designing. Are you just like writing scripts basically kind of? Or are you like actually going into this like programming and stuff? Oh, no. No, okay. no, no none of the math shit. No, I uh, basically just would sit down with like our art director uh, in like a really good example of how I would work on a project is um, there is this uh, just a YouTube video that we made for Cup of Soup, the Nissan Foods. Um, they do like the, the, the soup that's like dry and you open it up and put hot water in it and close it and then like it's noodle soup right basically ramen um <laughs> and they came to us and said we've got this team of soccer ninjas is how they described it which is just like <laughs> these japanese uh guys who know karate but also love soccer really? and they're like and we want to make a video with them and manchester united and so they're like, what do we do? Wait, so they, they, these people just existed already? And they just yeah, found they, them? They already had, yeah, they already had all the stuff. That's why production is great because you don't have to worry about that shit. They're like, here's all of the items that we have. Put it together so it's cool. Okay. Um, and so I uh, sat down with our art director at the time, and his name is Takayashi Kishibashi, um, which I just – I'm proud that I can say that. Name. <laughs> uh, and so he and I just sat down and worked out the script, put together a mood board – um, which Listen, basically, yeah, like, gave, gave art direction. So, like, it, this film should have this look. Okay. Um, and we kind of just mapped out what can we do, how cool would it be to do this. Um, and then we passed that off to a pair of directors, and they actually went to Manchester and filmed it. Hmm. So if you, go, if you go on YouTube and just search for Samurai in Manchester, you'll see that video. Um, and it's really great because I'm credited on it. But all I did was, like, spent an afternoon writing it with this guy and then got to hand it off to people who went and made it. Huh. So like, yeah, production is really, really fun. It's really fast paced. It's really fun. Uh, and you get to just do a lot of cool shit all the time. Do you ever feel guilty though about some of the companies you're working for? Cause like I saw you work for like AT&T and stuff. Well, I didn't see, I didn't work for AT&T. I've written for AT&T. Oh, I was okay. contracted out through the production company um, AT&T, that project was a GIF generator. So I, uh, kind of, I thought up this idea for AT&T to have a website that was also like a mobile responsive experience where people could go in and design their own custom GIF that they would then post on social media to shame their friends for texting while driving. <laughs> yeah. So that was that. Okay. But I mean, don't get me wrong. I have worked for my fair share of evildoers. Yeah. 
uh, in my life. I don't know how much Jin's told you, but when I was living, I was working for an ad agency in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and that place was like the Legion of Doom. <laughs> what do you mean? I did feel guilty about working for those guys. What were they doing? Oh, it's so complicated. Uh, the uh, TLDR basically is uh, the guy who owned the company also owned several other cash advance companies that were oh. uh, that were like based in the Bahamas. Okay. And the ad agency I was working at, he pumped a lot of money into so that he could create a lot of jobs in Tennessee right. so that he could year after year not be profitable as an ad agency so he could get maximum tax cuts that would be applied to all of his other companies as well because technically it was all one conglomerate. <laughs> so it was like this huge tax shed, right? Yeah. Now, what was really cool about it was it was also owned by a bunch of like hyper conservative dudes. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure it's a shock to hear that rich <laughs> white guys in Tennessee were also uh, religiously fanatic. But um, I didn't know that when I was working for them. And uh, they found out that I supported marriage equality, right? <laughs> like, I'm a totally straight dude. I'm like as heteronormative as they come. Right. But I, like, I, I posted a blog on my personal blog like, hey, we sh should have marriage equality. It's, you know, time to do that. And so they fired me over it. Really? Yeah, which you can do that in Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they fired me. And then uh, two months later, uh, the federal government shut them down. And now that the, the CEO of that agency is in federal prison. Holy shit, that's awesome. At least that's yeah, a happy so ending. <laughs> I, yeah, so I feel good about it. Uh, but yeah, so you definitely, when you work in the advertising space, um, you're definitely going to work with morally ambiguous people. <laughs> And it's really, really difficult to navigate that because when you're starting out, like, A, you might not know that they're evil. Yeah. Uh, but also, B, you might not, like, maybe you've got bills to pay. Maybe you've got an apartment in the city you had to move to and you can't just, like, quit because of your scruples because right. they're not paying you much anyways. You know, like, it's it's a difficult situation to be in. Yeah, because, I mean, in our companies, obviously, if you had to do an ad for them, like, say um – Western Union or not Western yeah. Union. Not, uh, what's the, what's the big bank? Wells Fargo. Yeah. Like yeah, people yeah. that like sort of, uh, fucked over enormous <laughs> segments of the yeah. black community and everything. Yeah. Um, you, you have to go into that knowing, but like, would you like, you would accept that though? If you were like, I mean, do you have like, like a compromise with yourself? Like you donate like a certain amount to a pro to a charity or something or luck. Luckily, luckily, uh, I've not had to deal with that too much. Like I've no, I've not been approached to work on those type of projects. Okay. Um, very often, uh, there was a couple times at the ad agency. This is probably also why they, I pissed them off. Where one of our <laughs> clients was like um, a militant anti-abortion group okay. lobbyist group, and they hired us, and I refused to work on any of their projects, and that probably didn't make any of my superiors happy. They probably started monitoring your social media after that. <laughs> oh man! And, and at that time, I was t tweeting just the most heinous stuff too. Like it was heinous a, to them. We should say probably. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. They were. I mean, they were. I thought they were very clever. You know, we'll call them genital-based puns. Oh. <laughs> but uh, you know, my bosses didn't appreciate it. So, whatever. Yeah. Um. So. The comics you do, like if you yeah. if you just started doing comics, I was looking at your page and it's yeah, it's like just you're just talking about scripts right now still for this punch drunk comic you're doing. Yeah, yeah, punch drunk. So um, yeah, I've been doing like I said, I did a web comic for about two years. Oh right, yeah. What was the deal with that? We didn't actually talk about that much about that. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that was called uh, Joey Cheats Death, and yeah. the story, the the plot was, um, 
this guy named Joey, uh, like the very first page, death has come to take his to take his soul, to kill him, take his life. Right. Um, but he finds this loophole in the system where death has to ask him three riddles. <laughs> and if, if he can answer all three of those riddles correctly, then he gets to live. But the problem is that death hadn't thought up any riddles yet because no <laughs> one's ever like figured that out. Yeah. And so death is like, this is really problematic because I don't have the riddles, but also I'm not allowed to like leave you. Like I'm bound to you until like such a time as you're dead or you've cheated me. Hmm. So like I have to move into your apartment now. <laughs> and so then Joey makes death get a job. And so like the story follows like Joey slowly finding out that he's immortal and then like using that to his advantage. Wait, is everybody else immortal too? Since No, I mean it was going to get into that. Okay. Like there was a lot like there was like other angels of the apocalypse that were like side characters. Okay. There's there's Joey who is that. There's Joey's roommate, who at the end of the first book, like, and each book was like a hundred pages, but Jesus. like, she like became a like she found out that their new roommate was death. Like they were hiding it from her. <laughs> um, then there was Joey's super religious friend Godfrey, um, who when he finds out that death, like at one point Godfrey like is in an accident. And it should have died, but he didn't yeah. because death, death is is trapped. So he wakes up and he thinks that there's no afterlife. So he has a crisis of faith <laughs> and becomes like super goth. <laughs> uh, and then uh, and then death gets a job at uh, a suicide hotline. <laughs> and so like there's a big story arc where he's trying to like figure out how to do that but still be true to himself. Because like the first, the, his first day on the job, like he's trying to convince people to kill themselves. Uh, but yeah, so that that was that, and it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I, uh, uh, you know, it got up to a pretty good size of uh, viewership. Um, I met a lot of other comics people who I still like interact with, uh, who I still know mm-hmm. through that. I had a lot of really great like talented people do guest trips for me. Um, I got to meet and talk to this guy named Chris Hastings who ran the webcomic Dr. McNinja. Okay. Uh, which is a really good webcomic and it's actually about to come to an end. Oh. But um, Chris Hastings uh, actually from doing Dr. McNinja writes for Marvel. Like mm-hmm. he writes a lot of Deadpool stuff right now. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, so it was a really fun like experiment in doing comics. Like I had done comics for myself and my friends like in high school, but this is the first time I was putting anything out there. So like, you know, it was it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, How was this getting around? Was this was this on Tumblr or something? I you know I had a friend who was a web developer and he just built me a site. Okay. And uh, yeah, it was it was really cool. He built me a really awesome, really beautiful site, and I just promoted it on social media and got my friends to like put it out there. And uh, like there was a time where I printed off like the first ten pages and then left like a to be continued at joeyteachdeath.com and like would leave them around different zine shops and. Hmm. You know, just trying to just trying to get people to read it, right? And it, I mean, it was one of those things where, like, it's not up anymore. Like the the site, I, I never renewed it. Oh. Uh, but like, if it were still up, it's about three hundred pages that actually got done. But you could read it in like an hour. But it, so it's not online any at all anymore. It's not. It's, it's not. No. I mean, it's so easy just to put things up for free now. <laughs> yeah, I know. But like the all right, so the problem was all the pages were stored online, like where oh. the site was, and the site didn't get renewed. Uh, cause I just forgot about it. And so all the pages are just gone. 
Jesus. I know. It's a, I, I, I hate thinking about it. <laughs> it's so depressing. But yeah. So that was yeah. the last comic you were doing before you started this new one? Yeah, that was the last comic I was doing and, and like publishing. And it just, uh, you know, after that, like I kind of took a little break and I did a lot of illustrating work. Um, I like drew a lot of movie posters and designs for different like indie stuff. Oh, really? Like yeah, things like, that got a uh, released? Uh, no, like local like film clubs and like local film competitions. Uh, a buddy of mine did a documentary actually that he did get that pressed DVD. Um, and uh, it's called Real Old School. It's about the recording industry, like the, the difference between analog and digital recording. Um, and I did, I, you know, did the poster for that and did the cover to that DVD. And it's a really cool, uh, I'll give that a shout out if anyone can find it. Um, Steve Albini's in it. Oh, um, cool. Swalla from Death Cab's in it. So like, it's, it's a really interesting, I don't keep it hot damn about recording, but I enjoyed it. So. <laughs> well, that's how most documentaries are these days. Like just yeah. about any subject people will be like, yeah, I'll watch that. <laughs> it's not really about like going to people's passions right now, it seems. Oh, yeah, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah, so like I've always been like drawing stuff, but, um, punch trunk is, it's an idea that I had a while ago mm-hmm. and, um, I'm just like trying really hard. I've decided like, I've got it in my head that like, if I work hard enough, if I do X, Y, Z, like I can get this published. Uh, cause I really believe in the idea. Uh, you mean, you mean published like for real this time, like through a publishing house? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, uh, so I don't know how familiar you are with comics. Not entirely. But, I lived with a comic book artist and I have a friend I'm going to talk to tomorrow. Actually, he's a comic okay. book artist, but yeah. Yeah. So like, um, there are certain publishers that are creator owned. Mm-hmm. So you can like, uh, actually pitch them a comic and they'll publish it if they like it. Um, and so like one of the big ones is called image okay. and like they do all the walking dead, for example, uh, okay. that's like what they're best known for right now. Um, and so, uh, my, my idea is actually make this comic and then pitch it to them to actually publish. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I guess real quick, um, the person I li- I don't know if you know the person I lived with, he was part of secret prison out of Philly and he did, uh, his name is Pat Alicio. Pat Alicio. Yeah. The Italian guy, uh, probably late twenties now, maybe early thirties. Yeah. I don't know. Um, any other person you, I know you retweeted me once about it was Kayla Miller. I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, I know her. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. I remember secret prison now. You do? It kinda, yeah. No, it kind of looks like uh, super jail. Yeah. Especially yeah. Pat stuff. Passive, especially yeah. like it has like that squiggly sort of yeah. thing going on. Yeah. 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 Real. It's kind of like this like zine style of comics art. Right. They always release it as like a newspaper. I think actually, yeah, we, yeah. a couple of, I mean, a couple of friends actually did a, their Kickstarter video for Secret Prison Prison Six Six Six. Ah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, which uh, yeah, it was weird, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, are you are you part of like? Have you been part of the community this entire time, even while you haven't been making comics? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've always been reading and like on in social media and like you know trying to get involved. Um, I follow a lot of you know comics creators that I respect, and now that I'm in like the Bay Area, I go to a lot of different events and I've been able to meet a lot of people and like do drink and draws and oh yeah uh, there Pat did one of those in Philly like what's yeah are those that common yeah yeah I mean if you're in a big enough city you'll probably be able to find at least one that happens like once a week hmm. um I just did one at this comic book store in Oakland called Dr. Comics uh and they um 
it was for the Jack Kirby's Hero Initiative Fund. I don't know if you're familiar with Jack Kirby, but I know the name. Um, yeah, he's like like the godfather of comic book art. Um, okay. But uh, the idea was we all got together and like drew Jack Kirby characters and then auctioned them off for charity. What are some of his characters? Uh, the X Men. Oh, okay. And Fantastic Four. Oh, so he's a Marvel guy. Uh, he also did a lot with DC. He didn't like create a lot at DC, but he uh, drew a lot of DC comics, and he has this really distinct style. Mm. Um, like if you're familiar with Dark Seed or the New Gods from DC, um, he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he did a lot of like really crazy spacey stuff. But he was he's he's a anyone who draws comics like will cite him as a hero. Hmm. Yeah. And what exactly happens? Like, what's the premise of a drink and draw usually? <laughs> I no, I mean it's pretty much it is what it's called. Like you just get together and you drink and you draw. Do you like talk uh, or you just like sit there yeah. in silence? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, you you get into conversations and you get to meet people and the idea is like uh it's a really good way to get comic book people together, because uh, you get to draw, which we all love to do. You get to drink, which we all love to do. But you know, it's really kind of a networking event for creatives. So it's just good to be able to meet people. Right. Yeah. So there's like anything, is there like collaborations in these or is it just like chatting uh, while you do your own thing? There could be, there could be, yeah. And you meet people and you get to collaborate on stuff with them and, uh, you know, I mean, if I was so inclined going like a good strategy to find an artist to work on my comic would be to go to these events and meet people and then get them like, you know, hooked up with what I was doing. But you're not doing so. that because I saw on your Tumblr that you're looking for people to read your scripts. Yeah, yeah, I want people to read my scripts to get feedback. Uh, you know, that's that's always something that I'm interested in because, like, I want to know. I need like a good like uh, litmus of whether or not what I'm doing is good. Hmm. Um, and so I like to get a lot of people, especially people who aren't traditionally fans of comics, to read it. Because okay. like what, a problem of being a comic book fan is you will read any comic book and probably love it. Like right. you <laughs> definitely like have a bias towards it. But um, uh, you know, a big uh, I just want to make it like a fun, accessible comic, but I am doing all the art myself, uh, which, you know, it'd be kind of nice to have an artist working with me, mm-hmm. but it's really, I don't, I'm not going to pay anybody. And like, I don't, I don't have, uh, the time or energy to work with someone like, you know, I work a full-time job. I have a bunch of other stuff going on. So this is just something that like I stay up late doing and like, I, I don't want to try and coordinate that with anybody. Like there's just, it would take too much energy not to just draw it myself. I mean, do comic fans, like, would they give you any, like, advice on, like, form or anything? Are you interested in, like, experimenting with the medium at all? Or is it just you're concerned about just getting a compelling story out there? I mean, yeah, no, I would love to experiment with, like, the different standards of how comic books put together. But as far as, like, writing it for print publication, there's, like, certain guidelines. Right. Um, And so those are things that I'd follow. But, like, you have, like there's different ways that you can interact with panels or you can interact with the gutters or you can interact with colors. Uh, there's a lot of different stuff that you can do. Um, that like I really, you know, get jazzed about, but <laughs> was there anything know. specific that you do normally? Uh, whenever I would do, uh, uh, a web comic, I would hide animations a lot. Like I would hide gifs uh, in the pages. You would hide them. Yeah. So like you would have to click on it by accident. <laughs> and then like, if you did like the whole page would just go ape shit. You know, like 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 colors flashing or like so so like at one point in Joey Cheat's death, um, 
they accidentally open a portal to hell in the apartment and this demon comes out. Um, and then like they close the portal, but the demon stays and he refuses to go back because hell really sucks and he doesn't want to be there anymore. And so he is, uh, he moves in with him and like, he just, he won't leave. And, um, one of the first pages, uh, if you click on like his eyeball, like all of the colors would go inverted and like flash and then it would open up like to a secret comic where you learn his like backstory about him being in hell. Was but you don't. You can only get to that comic if you found like this weird little thing to click on. Was there like a hint about it being there or anything? Or is it just like completely random? Like someone accidentally moves their mouse over there. Uh, for this one specifically, he yelled, hit me. Oh, okay. And so like if you clicked on him, it would do it. Uh, so that, that kind of stuff I got really into. But then like you, I'd look at like the analytics of the page and like five people figured it out. <laughs> I mean, it's still yeah. fun though. Yeah, it's fun. Those, yeah. Uh, you could also just put a note saying like do this <laughs> and then you can continue yeah. to move forward with it but there there were definitely times where i was like i would just tweet hey guys just go to the thing and then click that thing <laughs> and just watch the clicks go up yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. let's go click this thing you guys but, yeah do you have like any way that you would um give like sorry my cat <laughs> it loves to bother me during these like every time he comes over and sits around the computer and rubs up against the mic and uh, cats Cats know when you're busy. Oh, totally. Like yeah. I forget who it was. Like there was a there's a picture or a scan of like somebody's uh writings from decades or centuries ago and there were cat paws like that, <laughs> that stepped in the ink and walked across the page. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so but um would you be able to do anything like that, do you think, now that you're talking about uh getting this published? Like would you have like online exclusive stuff for it or uh, you know, probably not at the start. Um, yeah. The creative things I I want to do with like Punch Drunk is I want each issue to come with a, a cocktail recipe that I've invented. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then maybe like a playlist. Because um, of course, like if you haven't gathered it from the name, Punch Drunk <clears throat> is a comic book that's largely about getting drunk. Right. Um, oh yeah. Do you want to tell the premise real quick? I don't think you mentioned it yet. <laughs> oh okay. Yeah yeah yeah. So Punch Drunk is the story about this guy who uh, becomes stronger. And more indestructible the more he drinks. Um, he still gets drunk, but like, um, like in the first issue, he doesn't realize that he's got this power. Yeah, and he gets pretty drunk, and then he ends up punching the skull out of a guy's face. <laughs> so like, there's this really like, I, I work really hard in creating like really cartoony violence, but also like he doesn't really mean to do it, but also like he's just completely out of control. So he's like a really sloppy drunk, but he also has like this godlike power, uh, and so that's that's the base premise. Uh, it kind of moves out from there. If, um, I, if I remember correctly, he's queer, right? Yeah, yeah, he is. Uh, he's a he's a, a gay man living in New Orleans, um, and the story opens up uh where there's an he hasn't he hasn't been drunk in like 10 years and he's just 26 so like this is the second time he's ever <laughs> drank right okay so there's a reason he didn't drink uh and I don't want to give too much away I guess yeah. but an incident occurs that drives him to drink again and so he gets drunk for the first time in like forever and uh accidentally murders like 20 people <laughs> and so what like innocent people <laughs> No, I mean, I create sufficient reason for you to want them. They're all, like, skinheads. Okay. Um, like, he goes to this bar and accidentally goes into, like, a redneck bar. 
And so they're terrible people. At one point, one of the uh, thugs yells out, save me, Donald Trump. Uh, <laughs> as he's just like massacring them. At one point, he gets so drunk, like he'll punch a guy and the guy instantly liquefies. So like it's just like totally out of, out of control violence. Um, so then like issue two starts with him trying to like deal with that. So he like – the idea is he doesn't want to drink. He doesn't want to be a drunk. He doesn't like being drunk. But he continues to get into situations where he has to, eventually to the point where, like, the world needs him to be drunk. <laughs> um, and he has, like, there's negative health effects. Like, well, yeah. his, his liver shuts down. Like, he, he loses weight. Like, it's killing him. But he just, it's this, like, cascading series of horrific events uh, that just drive him to drink for the good of mankind, basically. And, like, is he drunk? Like, does he get, like, intoxicated, too? Oh yeah, like he he says crazy shit. He's drunk. Like he doesn't know where he is. He blacks out. Um, he like I, I I'm working hard to make his fighting style look like a drunk person tripping. <laughs> at one point, you know, like he's he's a sloppy drunk. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And does his queer identity play into this at all? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I want it to, uh, but not. I don't want it to be like a plot device. You right. know, like I want it to be. Um, just a facet of his character. One, there's, if you follow comics discussions at all uh, right now, there's a big discussion about increasing diversity in comics, uh, both by means of creators and by means of characters. Um, and one thing that I really want to do with Punch Trunk and with this main character, his name's Rory, hmm. is um, kind of create someone who works strongly against a lot of like the heteronormative values that you would find in comics. So he's just like a skinny gay dude, but his his strength beats any masculinity that like he's brought up against. So like there's all these like traditionally masculine characters that he's put in, uh, uh, in conflict with, but none of them can beat him, even though he's not a traditionally masculine person, you know, as you would like quote unquote, you know, like define Charlton Heston masculinity. Right. Yeah. Um, is there like anybody you're basing him on in any way? Uh, no. Is, um, there, is there anybody you're talking to or anything about him or? Uh, not, I mean, you know, there are definitely, uh, you know, queer people that I have talked to this idea about friends of mine who I've showed the script to. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I try to be as sensitive about that as possible. I don't want to be like, Hey, you're gay. He's gay. Do you want to do this? <laughs> right. Uh, but again, like the whole idea is I don't want it to be like, um, like I don't know if you again, read comics, but there's this guy named Steve Orlando writes this comic called Midnighter for DC and it's it's pretty good uh, and the main character is queer um, but like that's a that that ends up being like a huge plot point which there's nothing against that but I really want to create a character who is unstoppable and unbeatable and not a straight white guy and also like but that's not that's not like a plot twist or anything right it's just who he is it's never like there's never like any camera zoom when you find out he's gay or anything <laughs> But it's just how the story goes. I mean, I assume, like, while he's living his life, like, there will yeah. be, like, love interests and, like, other things just incidentally, like... Oh, no, yeah, definitely. There's definitely that. That's definitely a big part of it. But it's never, like, that's never what's driving the plot. The plot is he accidentally killed 20 people, he done fucked up, and now, like, for the rest of the series, like, his life is different because of that. Hmm. So, yeah, like, there's there's an arc where he's dealing with it. There's an arc where he goes to jail and has to, like make toilet hooch to escape like <laughs> you know like there's all these different things that occur 
but none of it, none of it is, um, you know, necessarily based on like his, his love interest never gets kidnapped and he has to go save his love interest. That never happens. You know, okay. I, I, I don't want there to be like a damsel in distress. Basically, honestly, right. hand to God, like I want him to be the damsel in distress. Like I want him to be the one who needs saving because he's gotten in this horrible situation that he can't get out of. Is there going to be somebody that's going to help pull him out of it, do you think? Or is it just going to be like... Um, yeah, well, there is... There, all right, so in the beginning of the second issue, he goes to an AA meeting. <laughs> uh, and they end up kicking him out when they realize he's only been drunk twice over the <laughs> like 10 years. They're like, you're not an alcoholic. Get out of here. Um, yeah. But the girl... There's a girl there who, like, comes out and says, hey, um, I don't think that's fair. Like, that was really mean what they did in there. And then she gets entangled in his life from that point forward. Hmm. Because immediately after that, of course, like more shit goes wrong. Right. Um, and so she is going to be like uh, a foil character to him. Um, and it's going to be um, kind of back and forth about whether or not their friendship is healthy. Because I definitely want to base her off like codependent tendencies. Right. So like she'll do a lot of stuff to empower him in a certain way. But her motivation to do that is to control him. So it's not always she's like trying to help him, but not always for the right reasons. Um, but yeah, you know, eventually, like I haven't decided I want it to run for about 50 issues okay. and I haven't decided whether or not I want Rory to actually make it out alive or not. <laughs> um, I, I, I like the big themes that I want to deal with are like solitude and being lonely and like there's no one who can help him out, you yeah. know, uh, very similar to what the. Uh, you know, gay experience might be in the South. Right. Uh, just like a, an extreme sense of isolation. Um, and like, you know, it's definitely important for me to never explain where his powers come from, never explain <laughs> the backstory of it. It's just, this is just who he is. This is just how he is. He does not know why this happens and no one else can tell him why it happens. Okay. Like it's just, it's just like a fact of the universe. For some reason, this guy, <laughs> he's drunk. Like if he gets super drunk, he can just like, his strength is unlimited. So you're railing against like a lot of cliches and modern exactly, yeah. storytelling. Well, like comic books specifically. Yeah. Yeah. So like the, this, this female character, for example, um, she is, and he get into a lot of dicey situations, but she always defends herself, fights for herself. He never saves her. Um, they're actually in the first arc is a situation where she saves him. Hmm. So like why she is like, what in comic book terms you might call his sidekick. Yeah. She's never depended on him uh, by and large, especially from like a physical perspective. Right. Like That's... she doesn't need, she doesn't need him to help her stab a guy. Hmm. And so like, what's the deal with like villains in this? Are there going to be like sober villains or anything? Uh, well, so the bar that he is in where he kills all the people at the beginning, like they are all uh, part of a biker gang. Okay. Um, and so, the story kicks off with the survivors of the biker gang seeking revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little bit of a twist to it. Again, that I won't, I don't, it, just in case it does get published and I am famous. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to give it away. Right. But like, um, so basically the first five issues, of the first arc are Rory dealing with being pursued by, uh, this biker gang. Um, and at the same time, the first five issues takes place over the course of uh, about 36 hours. Okay. So it's really, it's really, really fast. Yeah. Yeah, it's like less than two full days. Hmm. Uh, so it's not like he's hunted for his whole life, but 
you know, yeah. So how did you end up getting into the whole diversity issue? Like, how did you end up deciding um, to become a like to pop to write a comic like based on this? How did you? Because I see you like are an active proponent of it on Twitter and everything. Yeah. Like, how did you yeah. get involved? Um. Well, I mean, I think it's just you know being involved in comic community that's such a large discussion to have yeah um and i really uh you know i've read marvel com i've read x-men since i was like a little kid right um and i just read a lot of comics and like i've gotten to a point where i've become like i started listening to this conversation and realized that there is a problem um that like i grew up really identifying with a lot of different characters and themes and feeling connected to that because I was like this fat little nerdy kid but like <laughs> I could read about like you know the X-Men going on these great adventures talking about like fighting for people who couldn't fight for themselves and really connect with that but like that's because I'm like a cisgendered white dude mm -hmm. so like there's all of these other people out there who are left out of this amazing experience because they don't have these well it may, they may not be left out but they don't have these characters that they can identify with in the same way that I was able to identify with Right. Uh, you know, just because I'm like the bland standard of America, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So, and there's, and there's, it's a really exciting time for comics because there's a lot of, um, comics being produced by big publishers, uh, that are kind of bringing everybody into the fold. Like Marvel, uh, definitely has done a lot to increase diversity in their characters, not so much in their writers and artists, they're getting there, but like yeah. in their characters and, and the type of stories they're telling, Image uh, definitely does a really great job of that. So it's, you know, it's definitely like that's where the industry's headed. Um, but also I just thought, you know, from a writing perspective, I thought it was it, it would be more interesting um, to have this be a facet of his character. Um, and like, like you said, kind of work against uh, themes that are really prevalent in comics today, you know, right. kind of, you know, there's no, there's no one else in this universe has powers. There's, there's no arc villain. It's just a guy who got really unlucky with what happens when he drinks. Yeah. I don't know about you, but like I did find myself after a while, like looking for movies or like even just like looking through Spotify for a band to listen to, like just something else to listen to. And I ended up just like going through and just like, um, just seeing like, especially on Spotify, like you look through and you see the band photos. It's like, how many fucking <laughs> bands are there <laughs> yeah. with just white guys standing in a line? No, seriously. Yeah. I, and it's, it's like hyper depressing for me too. And one, and one perspective, cause like I said, cisgendered white dude, and I'm trying to get into comics where there's too many cisgendered white dudes. Right. So like, almost any creative yeah. field. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's, it's problematic, but like, I guess to that end, like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to pander at all yeah um, but i definitely want to like find ways to support diversity in comics because i believe that that's important for comics like i believe that diversity in comics will save comics do you think and the internet's helped that a lot uh i think it has yeah yeah i think it has from my perspective i definitely think it has it's given a lot of people a voice and it's gotten a lot of people heard um i don't know like uh, a couple weeks ago Axel Alonso, who's the editor-in-chief for Marvel, was talking about how they're about to launch a new title for Hercules, which in the Marvel Universe, he's just a superhero. Right. Um, and they, uh, in an, his most recent iteration, which was an alternate universe version, mm -hmm. uh, he was in a 
uh, queer relationship. He was a, a, he was dating Wolverine. Actually, they were a couple. Oh, weird. And a lot of people loved it. Yeah. Um, and so in this iteration, they were asking like, is he going to be, you know, on the LGBTQ spectrum? And Axel Alonso just kind of laughed it off and said, no, no, he's not. And hmm. like everybody got so mad at that. <laughs> um, in part, not not just because like there's a valid opportunity to have a prominent leading character who is gay, yeah. but also like because of the way he just sort of d- dismissed it. Right. Um, and so uh, Marvel definitely has taken note of that. Um, and like whether or not it's going to have like the response that we would all want, which is to actually have more diverse characters. Yeah. Um, it's a very, like, it's a really compelling uh, thing to see Marvel or big publishers actually, I don't know, trying to fix that problem, I guess is a roundabout way of saying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. So yeah, definitely. Like there's, there's like, you know, there's forums like Comic Alliance and Comic Book Reporter and the Mary Sue. Right. And they all report on like these different facets of nerd culture. And they are all definitely pro-diversity. And they all definitely push that. And they put op-eds out about that. And like those are where comic book fans go to consume their news. And like, I mean, it's getting out there because of it. So, Well, what are some of your, I guess, I mean, I, I think I'm pretty much out of questions, except for like, what are some of your favorite uh, sort of underground comics right now? Because obviously with the internet, like everybody can get published, like you were saying earlier, like you just put it up. Uh, so it's like anything that really stands out to you? Yeah, no, let's talk about that. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, as far as web comics are concerned, um, I read uh, Dr. McNinja, okay. which I uh, mentioned earlier. It's a, it's a classic, um, really funny. It's, of course, about a doctor who's also Irish and also a ninja. <laughs> but it's just, it's hilarious. It's great. Yeah. Um, I really like uh, three-word phrase, um, octopus pie. Um, I really like uh, Perry Bible Fellowship. And these are all uh, octopus pie aside these aren't episodic like these are like sunday comics like the way you would think about like opening up uh, a newspaper and reading like uh, just like a short little joke right so um but as far as like published like like print titles um there's so much good shit out there right now uh (laughs) there's this uh comic book um called saga that is like mind-bendingly good what, um, wait, what do you mean like mind bendingly? Is it like like so it, Lynchian, like sort of absurdist or Well it's just it's just the concept is and the art is executed so well. It's by this guy named Brian K. Vaughn and this artist named Fiona Staples. And um it is basically a mix between uh fantasy, sci fi, and hipsters. <laughs> so like it's these it's this couple, there's this big intergalactic war and uh it's uh the landfalls versus the moonies and it's like stretched across the whole universe and it's just going on forever. But, uh, someone from landfall and someone from the moon actually, um, had like fall in love and have a baby hmm. and like they have to go on the run because both sides of the war. And I want that baby dead because they didn't even think that, uh, like their species could produce an offspring and they're like, we don't want to be unified. So like oh, now like they have to like go on this great space odyssey, to protect their child and their lives. And it's, it's only like 25 issues in, <clears throat> but it's really amazing. Um, other than that, uh, 
uh, like I said, Steve Orlando's Midnighter is really good. Um, I really have been reading a lot of Black Science by Rick Remender and also his comic book Low. Is Black and, Science like Black Science Fiction? Does that mean or no? No, it's it's uh, it's another great sci-fi concept where it's this guy who solved the Black Science equation. Okay. And so he's developed a machine that can jump to different dimensions. But like the first time he and his family take it out, it breaks. So now it they can't decide which dimension they're jumping to, nor at what interval it jumps. So like the first time they jump, they've got 10 minutes. The second time they've got four hours. So like the whole story is just them being like, ah, oh, shit, what do we do? Um, it's really, really great. Um, there's also uh, this uh, kind of, like a zine series called Island. Okay. Um, and it's by Brandon Graham. Um, and it's really cool because it's like monthly uh, publication, but also um, it's got like serialized stories in it that go from one issue to the next by a bunch of different artists and writers. So it's a really great way to like learn about uh, new comics coming out or new comics people. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brandon Graham... Uh, is definitely like my favorite comic book guy working right now. He does, um, <clears throat> he did a comic series called uh, King City. And he did another one that he's currently publishing called Multiple Warheads. And uh, he did uh, a comic uh, that he's working on now called Eight House, which I've read like four issues of it and I have no idea what it's about, but I'm just mesmerized <laughs> by it. Yeah. Uh, and it's all like really, really, really cool, really innovative stuff. Really good storytelling. Like at like a nice high literary level. It's all very inventive uh, and just beautiful. And like, uh, you know, all the things I've been talking about. Um, there's, uh, what is it? Um, oh, I've been so into it. And I can't remember the name of it. Oh, Rat Queens. I love Rat Queens. Uh, Rat Queens is another image comic, and it's um, this all-female D&D group. <laughs> like, it's set in a D&D world where they're not playing D&D. Like, it's actual, they're adventurers. Okay. But it's an all-female adventuring group. And, like, it's one of the dirtiest. Like, they make so many sex jokes, and they curse, <laughs> and they get drunk all the time. And they're just, like, these three girls who are just total badasses and just go, like, dungeon crawling all the time. And it's really great. Um and then as far as like what we call the big two publishers like Marvel or DC. Yeah. Um really right now the only thing I'm reading on Marvel cuz they're about to like relaunch all of their titles which they do like periodically. Hmm. Um but I've been reading uh Miss Marvel by G Willow Wilson. Oh yeah, the one with um is that the one with the Muslim girl? Yeah, yeah. Uh and it is just spectacular. Nice. Um you can buy all like the first 3 trades of it uh relatively cheap and it is just like the best I'm, I'm amazed that Marvel actually is putting it out. Like it feels like an indie comic, but it's from a big publisher. Um, but also Marvel's been doing um, uh, an event called Secret Wars, which is really a convoluted, like a massive event. They do these like once a year where they have all of their comic titles interject into one story. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is actually really good. And it's um, the artist on it is Eric Asada and it's like beautiful oil paintings that like tell the story um and it's really good hmm. uh the base the basic story is all all reality has collapsed dr doom figured out a way to restart reality and now dr doom is god 
Okay. And it's really super fun. Nice. Yeah. So, anyways, that I'm I could go on for about two more hours about the comic <laughs> now, but that's about it. Those are those are like that's all the good stuff. If anyone out there is listening, like, just check all that shit out. It's amazing. All right, cool. And when do you think you'll have a uh, Punch Drunk ready to be released or published or whatever? All right. So here's my plan. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's very it's a big plan. So, okay. <laughs> uh, I've got it written. Um, I have started blocking out the pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, so probably in like the next, let's say two weeks, I'll actually start drawing the pages. Okay. Uh, and then probably it'll take me like two months to draw it all just cause I'm a hyper busy guy outside of it. Right. Uh, and then probably another month to color it. Yeah. Uh, and then when I'm done with the first issue, um, I'm going to do a Kickstarter. Okay. Um, and the Kickstarter will be to, uh, purchase a digital art studio like a, a new computer and a wacom capacitive tablet and like all these different tools that you would need to really do it right mm-hmm. um and so then when i have all of that shit done uh then i'll probably start pitching it because i'll have the first five issues written the next 20 blocked out and the first issue actually created and that's a really strong pitch like most people come to a pitch with like a summary and a synopsis and a couple drawings right but I'd be like hey i'm basically ready to go so will you release so. the first issue before you do the kickstarter that those that will be like the reward of the kickstarter okay so like if you give like x amount of money you get a pdf a colored pdf or whatever i'll probably throw in stuff like i'll draw you into a future comic <laughs> or i'll just draw you or like oh, if you give me five, <laughs> yeah if you give me 10 bucks i'll draw you being horrifically murdered <laughs> it's whatever you want you know like there's a there's a a bunch of stuff that i'll do um just to like incentivize people um, cause I only need, I only need about $5,000, which is, sounds like a lot of money, but by Kickstarter standards, it's not oh, yeah, too it's terrible. Absurdly low compared to yeah, those I, things. Yeah. Um, and so if people want to support you, they can buy your t-shirts right now, right? Yeah. Oh wow. Totally forgot about that. So, <laughs> um, basically if you want to find me, I'm on Twitter as Dave, your fave. Okay. That's all one world word. So <laughs> super easy. Just Dave your fave. Yeah. Um, and I promote the t-shirts I make there. Um, I take a lot of illustrations that I do and I vectorize them and make them t-shirts on a, um, society six store. Uh, so they're really, really nice t-shirts. Um, they're custom printed. I actually own several from other artists. Um, so you can go by, I have a bunch of weird shit on there. I actually, there's one shirt I'm really sad hasn't sold yet. And it's a campaign shirt for Donald Trump that I made. (laughs) But it's it lists his running mate as Cthulhu. <laughs> and, I think uh, I did see that actually. <laughs> yeah, and like I, that was one of those like late night ideas I had where I was like, this is this is it, like this is how I'm gonna break. You should give it to him. Yeah, I should send it to Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> You'd be like, this is a great idea. Yeah, um, really good. <laughs> but uh, there's also um, I have a, a Tumblr called PunchDrunkComic.tumblr.com where I put up all of my daily sketches and like character designs and different things I'm working on for the comic. Um, and, uh, on both of those, uh, assets, whenever I have a new shirt, I put them up there. So links to all that stuff, uh, can be found on those two places. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that, unless there's anything else you want to add, I guess it does it for me. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm good. I'm actually, I'm at my office right now in San Francisco. And I was I'm wondering about the people walking in and out. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm about to play some D&D. 
Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, good luck, I guess. If hey, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, I, there's there's these bandits that I'm really pissed off at right now. <laughs> so how, go down. how long do those games go for? Like, did it go for days, like cricket or something? Oh, well, all right. So we play in like a series. So this one could conceivably go in for years. Oh, my but, God. Like, yeah, we probably pay for like four hours at a time whenever we can all get together. Hmm. Um, it's I, If you've never tried D&D, my man, yeah. it's super fun. Okay. Like, so... <laughs> Little little bit of background, like I when I moved to Denver, I was twenty four and I was not a nerd. Yeah. Like I liked to uh, go to concerts and listen to like indie music and collect records and like cool guy shit. Uh, but then I moved to Denver and I met these people, and I was hanging out with them and they're like, "We're gonna play Magic the Gathering. Do you want to play with us?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not." That, I guess I go. I'll, I'll give it a try. I'll humor you. I mean, you already like, read comic books. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> like, I kept that positive, right? Yeah. So like, the first game of Magic, I was like, oh my god, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Like, <laughs> I've never had this much fun. And then like, it just like fell into like I started playing D and D. I started playing like RPGs. I got hard into like sci-fi shit. Like it, <laughs> it's like complete nerd renaissance when I was like twenty-four. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I'm just hyper into it. Um, if you, so here's a good podcast you should check out. Um, I don't know if you ever listened to my brother, my brother and me. No. Um, you should, it's really, <laughs> it's three brothers and they like do like a dear Annie, like they answer, like give advice and stuff. Okay. Um, but there's also, uh, they have another podcast that they do with their dad where they just play D and D with their dad <laughs> and that's the podcast. Okay. And if you're ever interested in it, like that's a really good place to start because you'll learn a lot about D&D, but also it's really, really funny. Yeah. Like it's very entertaining. I'll have to check that out, I guess. Sounds at least interesting. It's called The Adventure Zone. The Adventure Zone. Okay. And it's it's hilarious. It's really, really, yeah. Yeah. I do actually, if you ever go to punchdrunkcomic.tumblr.com, I do a lot of fan art for The Adventure Zone. Oh, I did see that. I didn't know yeah. what it was, but I saw that. I saw D and D, and I saw Adventure Zone, and now I know. <laughs> Here's the thing: there's certain times where I'll do an illustration just to get like a lot of uh, interactions. Like anytime I draw anything that's D and D, I get a lot of reblogs. Uh, anytime I draw something for a certain podcast, they'll retweet it, and that's like really invaluable, you know. Well, there's um, not gonna get much off this. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I, <laughs> You know, you just gotta. You just, yeah, I'll, I'll retweet the shit out of this. Oh, but thank uh, you. <laughs> um, like I, uh, there was a day I, I drew a picture of Andrew WK, oh, and yeah. he retweeted it, and like that, I could have cried. <laughs> I got so, so nice. Yeah. But anyway, okay, cool, man. Well, I'm yeah. gonna stop yabbing because I, I could go in for days. Yeah, <laughs> people can. It seems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for talking to me, though. That was great. And dude. Uh, Excited to see it go up. Yeah, it'll probably go up on Tuesdays on anything else yet. Sounds <laughs> man. Alright, cool. See you. Alright, yeah, see you dude. Alright, that was David Pemberton. Go to his blog, punchdrunkcomic.tumblr.com to see a bunch of images of a gay guy. Getting shit-faced drunk and punching people's heads out of their head. It happens. Uh, and go on Twitter, and you can add him at DaveYourFace. You can also look up next week's guest, Kayla Miller, who's K 
K-A-Y-K-E. And for some reason, I don't really trust her to talk to me this week, so go on there and add her preemptively and start harassing her and asking her when she's going to talk to me this week. She's probably going to, but I don't know. It's fun to piss people off. Uh, also, the normal shit. Oh, on uh, come back on Friday for Kins and Unicorns' talk with Yoga Nerd, who I think is a Jezebel commenter. She's branching out. But in the meantime, subscribe on iTunes or whatever. You can go to the website. There's an RSS feed to the feed burner bullshit. I don't know what this means. And uh, you can also go there and give us money because we do this for free and kittens spent like way too much money on this. I just had the equipment already and started, started doing this. She actually went out of her way to buy a bunch of expensive shit. But uh, yeah, I have two cats I need to feed. So if you want to give me money for that too, that's cool. Right, Boris? Yeah, now you don't want to fucking talk. Just from doing the interviews. Uh, is there anything else I can tell you people? I might just sit here and listen to the music with you. This music is from lostpuppies.bandcamp.com. The intro music is from bloodloaf.bandcamp.com, which is my band. And I was listening to the album earlier, and I really enjoy it. I'm not going to lie. I think Into the Night might be one of my favorite songs. Uh, oh, yeah, you can also submit any short stories or poems you have to us in the blog or via email at robinundressingunderground.com or... On the phone at 260-PUNK-POD. I'll play them if you send them. Or advertisements. If you just want to advertise something, you can do that too. I don't give a shit. I'll play it. Just leave a voicemail. Or an email. Or a snail mail. If you want my address, I'll give it to you. I don't fucking care. No one's going to come out here to fucking Muncie, Indiana. Ugh. Boris. Why does my head feel weird? I mean, I know why, but why can't I go to Target and make it stop? Alright, whatever, fuck y'all, bye. Real quick, he's actually at Dave, your fave, with a V like Victor. I just don't feel like re-recording this. All right, bye.